0: Across the world, there is a space where the battle against COVID-19 rages. This front line of the pandemic is the local government, and they are facing an unprecedented challenge. Not only do they have to manage to spread the disease and treat and care for the most vulnerable, but they have to do this while struggling to protect livelihoods amidst falling revenue. The strength and resilience of local governments and their institutions worldwide has never before been tested in this way. Because of Kerala's wide global connections in diaspora and in business, it was immediately on alert when news of the virus spread. There was no way they were going to escape it.
1: The kind of experience that this set of local government leadership has had is unprecedented. Nowhere in the history of local governments in Kerala have we had a local government that has had to deal with so much and um, so frequently.
0: But unlike in many parts of the world, Kerala's local governments were not caught completely by surprise when the pandemic hit. Their capability to respond had been strengthened by the successive disasters Kerala had faced in the recent past, from Nipah virus to the rains. These experiences enable local governments and communities to not just act quickly, but also in an organized manner because the frameworks were already in place. In this series, we have tried to understand not just where Kerala's resilience has come from, but what helped build it. We began with exploring changing weather patterns and weather events that have marked recent history. Kerala's relationship with land and water, what drives its development from the natural resources it relies on, its small industries like fisheries and tourism. Each of these areas are vulnerable, but what we've learned is that resilience is not the result of a single intervention. It is defined by many instances across time, across disasters, and through the small decisions that people have made to pick up and carry on. And we've been trying to chronicle these moments, because in them we see resilience being expressed, being reinforced, and being embedded in the state's fabric. Resilience is, of course, a result of a series of decisions. To build anew, to redraw plans, to create new revenue streams for the state, and to invite new opportunities. But it is also a mindset. It's a way of being that is a result of decades of precisely this. Determined development planning and the intent to always take its people along. So, what's happening at Kerala's frontline? This is the final episode of Kala Vasta, our six part series on Kerala, climate change, and the meaning of resilience. Are
1: Boys, girls we have a right intervention
2: Nurses numbering over 8,000, more than 5,000 are junior public health nurses. Asha workers are 26,475. Anganwadi workers
0: are about 66,000. This is Dr. Mridul Ippen.
2: And the new voluntary force with 3.25 lakh youth voluntary brigade are registered, of whom 7,
0: an honorary member of the Kerala State Planning and Board, and force speaking force at a webinar about the, the state's response to the pandemic.
2: Are very active in the whole uh, uh, mobilisation efforts at the community level.
0: She's speaking about Kerala's impressive grassroot army, the thousands of workers who have gone above and beyond their line of duty and have been the backbone of the state's disaster response. She mentions ASHA and Anganwadi workers. ASHA workers are government community health workers who work at the very local level, and Anganwadis are neighbourhood early childcare centres that are found across the country. Through the first months of the pandemic, stories like these found their way into the national media, And I just want to point out to this one photograph of this policeman. He's actually carrying, um, you know, all the supplies for a funeral of an elderly person uh, in Kerala, just to make sure that the family does the 13-day Hindu rites uh, for for the person who passed away. So this is the extent to which support is offered in the state. That's Samya Kapoor from the Initiative of What Works to Advance Women and Girls in the Economy, there was something about the way the pandemic was being handled in Kerala that was not only different, but it seemed to work.
1: In a federated setup, the responsibility for uh, managing contagions and diseases and uh, health as a general is a state subject. In the Indian context, Kerala as a state government was within its powers to decide on how the response to COVID went.
0: This is Sharada Murli Dharan, the principal secretary of the Kerala Local Self Government Department. She found herself in the rather unenviable position of leading this important department on the eve of the lockdown and had to transition to work online immediately. A challenging task for a department that plays a connective and facilitative role between the numerous local bodies found all across the state. A role that is often best done in person.
1: I didn't know who my officers were and I wasn't able to interact with them because we were all in shutdown mode. Uh, so who to call, how to call and what to do. So it was actually fairly difficult coming into this job right on the eve of COVID.
0: The remarkable thing about Kerala's response was what happened at the local level. How did the state support these local governments and give them the critical resources they needed on the ground?
3: Myself, Dr. Shekhar Lukos Kuriyakos. I am Member Secretary of Kerala State Disaster Management Authority and I'm also head of the state's emergency operations center. We tend to support departments when it comes to undertaking preparedness actions, preparing their disaster management plans. We train um, critical entities, we train critical uh, stakeholders in the business. We also ensure that right kind of uh, data is ubiquitously available to the departments to plan from a disaster risk reduction perspective. Uh, So in Kerala, we, we have what is called an emergency support functions plan. It's basically the document which governs as to what has to be done and what is expected of a department in times of a a major disaster. So you don't have to really each time uh, come out with a legislation or a new document, but they already have it written and also augment it to suit uh, the emerging situation. So basic framework exists in kaila and this exists exists for quite some time now
1: these plans actually predate covid they came as a direct response to uh, the experience of the uh, big floods in 2018 followed by 2019. interestingly when this planning process uh, took on a couple of things happened for the first time ever we were able to get local body level maps, so you had flood maps, you had uh, spatial maps, you had the institutional structures, road networks. This was sourced to us by the Disaster Management Authority, which then, you know, all these plans usually work to different scales and don't look at local government boundaries or village boundaries. But they did an exercise by which they did that.
0: For example, Kerala had already prepared inventories of critical infrastructure needed for disasters.
1: We knew where the X-ray machines were, the private establishments were, the the medical medical personnel were, the private, what was available locally. So this was a huge inventorization that had been done by the local governments as part of the disaster management plan. When COVID hit, rather than the other elements of the plan, which were looking mostly at flood, drought, and landslides and related activities, uh, the the fact that this inventorization of human resources and skilled human resources Came in
0: handy. This inventory of hotels, people, resources, supplies held them in good stead when it came to mapping out and operationalizing their strategies. What they needed to do, who had to do what, and when.
1: You know, all this was done, you know, with the uh, with just about two or three days turnaround time, because the local governments knew exactly uh, what these institutions were, who the people were to contact what state of facilities were available, and uh, how they could
0: move it. There were existing health protocols at the local level that had been set up to deal with the Nipah virus that had struck in 2018. While most people like us had not even heard about contact tracing, ordinary people in Kerala were familiar with it. Nipah was a precursor of sorts to what we're experiencing today. This large-scale mobilisation at the community level helped keep people at home and reduce the pressure on the hospital system. And this response, both from the state and volunteers, is a result of the participatory nature of governance that Kerala is known for.
2: The the civil society in turn demands to be looked after and taken care of, in which they too participate. Hence the response of the government, in a way, comes naturally.
0: The Kerala government, as part of its disaster management planning, also conducted an important vulnerability assessment.
1: They talked about the guest workers, looking at them as vulnerable communities. They talked about senior citizens and getting the senior and making and, and you know uh, making sure that the senior citizens were protected and safe. And they talked about coastal communities, which were thickly packed but also extremely vulnerable. They talked about auto rickshaw drivers. They talked about delivery boys. So they so the entire campaign, social media campaign, and the campaigns for breaking the chain of uh, COVID
0: while ensuring the continuation of essential goods and services and COVID surveillance, which were vital for raising awareness about COVID, its testing and treating. And there was a dignity in the rescue and relief work. When it came to the thousands of stranded migrant laborers, the state ensured that a message was sent out. These people are our guest workers. In camps where these stranded guest workers lived, they ensured meals were delivered with respect and according to the workers' culinary preferences often preparing food from the guest worker's home states. And recreation too, in the form of carom boards and mobile phone credit recharges. In an interview in an online seminar, Sharda Mudlidharan says it was this proximity to the lived experience of disaster that helped people not just act quickly, but also in an organized manner because the frameworks were already in place.
1: You know, it is when you are hurting, when you still, when you still remember uh, how it was to be to live in a disaster, that you are most sensitive and conscientious about uh, what needs to be done to uh,
2: to make sure that something like this doesn't happen again.
0: Here's Dr. Mridulipan again.
2: Now, Sherry, the teacher herself, in one of the interviews, has said, in in uh, you know, when they asked her what is the secret, she said proper planning.
0: People in Kerala would sometimes talk to us about the fact that the youth today can feel disconnected and disaffected. At the time of the disaster, the response from young people in Kerala was staggering. Shobha Vishwanath pointed this out in episode one of the series, and Mridulipan echoes it in this episode.
2: In the pandemic, the the chief minister has announced the opening of a web portal called Sanagam, where all the young people can register. 3.25 lakhs have registered, 75,000 are women. So how it happened is just by the fact that people got to know this disaster had come. And when they saw an announcement that people were needed for, you know, helping out in packing and collecting and sending,
0: they just just came.
2: And that's, that's all I can say.
0: Jiju P. Ulhanan is one of the many volunteers who came forward to help during COVID in the best way he could. He is a professor in Kasargod, the northernmost tip of Kerala.
4: So I am actually from central Kerala, from Cochin, but um, I live and work in Kasargod right now. I'm a physicist. I teach in a college here.
0: Back in 2018, Jiju, like so many people across the state, was part of a volunteer group formed of his peers and his friends.
4: I was somewhat active on social media and. Uh, I could see that several people who are in our friends or, or, or in network uh, were coming together to form groups like um, Facebook, uh, WhatsApps.
0: Two years ago, he worked on the floods. And today, his group and his network have formalized and is now working with the government.
4: That's how it started. There were engineers and other people. who so we collaborate on different different. Uh, Ideas And this group actually went into different directions, like how to help people to uh, look for environmental protection, for example, how to support farmers to withstand the fury of nature. Uh, Second thing was how to look for alternative solutions for energy demand.
0: When COVID first landed in Kerala, Jiju and his team naturally wondered what they could do.
4: I live in an area where... There are a large number of patients here, and we were the first to experience lockdown on March 20th. So I was following the situation. I was uh, talking to one of my friends uh, uh, in Japan, uh, who is also part of the the COVID-19 response team now. So his name is Nishad, and he actually gave me some ideas about how the communities and the government and the mechanism response to natural calamities and other disasters in Japan where they record everything.
0: like This was the beginning of what would end up being one of the first citizen-led live dashboard and COVID trackers in the country. COVID19Kerala.info
4: And over the last two years, what I learned is that uh, even though people fight on social media and uh, other platforms based on their... Differences. Uh, Such times actually bring people together. And uh, I have seen that uh, those who fight each other on different agenda on Facebook and uh, Twitter, I have seen that they all share their differences and come together to work towards a common goal. So that happened in our group, and I have seen that happen. in our society as well.
0: What we see in the response from the ground up from citizens and local representatives is the culmination of decades of work to build social capital. And this means that citizens in Kerala exert their right to ask.
1: For instance, we are looking at poverty itself, uh, the, poor, the poor person in Kerala is actually somebody who's relatively deprived. Maybe they don't have an Android phone, maybe they don't have a fridge in their home, but they do have access to health, to education, to most of the things that matter. Um, And they also have uh, strong social security networks. All of this has meant that the participation of people in low political processes is very large. They are enabled to speak and they are enabled to ask, they are enabled to question. And they are unable to hold to account the elected representative, the state official, is always under scrutiny. It becomes hardwired to a to be respond very quickly, and b also to be uh, to involve communities and various stakeholders in anything that you are doing. Because if you don't, then God be with you. You you you've had it.
0: The next voice you will hear. Is of Shailajar teacher, the formidable Minister for Health who has steered Kerala these past few years. She's speaking at an online seminar on Kerala's disaster response this year. We started from
1: the beginning itself, and our preparedness and emergency planning that helped us very much. And also this basement
2: of this um, uh, local self-government and people and
1: planning, etc., helped
2: us very much. Our constitution
1: itself, there is a, a statement that ours is a democratic, secular, socialist, republic, And according to that thing, we have to uh, plan according to the people's needs. And uh, our government is doing uh, something like that.
0: A big part of the story of Kerala's frontline is the work done by women. Kudumbashree is the renowned state-run network of women's self-help groups. And Kudumbashree women came out to clear flood debris or cook in free kitchens and worked together with women volunteers who stitched masks and distributed sanitizers and delivered PSAs to their communities on social distancing the response has shown how women have proven to be resilient champions. One of the most notable things they did was to make home visits to deliver supplies to make sure that young children continue to receive their midday meals at home.
2: You see, whether it's the Dalits or whether it's the tribals or whether it's people living in the fishing, that's one thing which you can do is to reach out to them. And this was a wonderful exercise. All the children, 3.6 lakh children, between three to six, got the food for from, from the 12th of April, uh, March, to the 30th of March. Um, it's continuing. It's continuing now with the pandemic continues.
0: On the ground, what was different from elsewhere was that the government supported its front line. One of the first things they did was put money in the hands of the people to help them tide over the early weeks of the lockdown. Many women, for example, were offered interest-free loans.
2: And it was given to the eldest uh, female in the family. It was given to the households to the eldest woman in the family for repairing their houses, for getting back to normalcy within the household.
0: None of this was an accident. After the floods, the government actually invested in livelihood skill development training and on centering the care economy.
2: The Skurubashi has been given money for um, more of uh, uh, self-help groups. And natural disaster resilient planning in the backdrop of the floods is a critical component of planning and gender budgeting in
0: the state now. The Kerala government demonstrated a sensitivity to the fact that disasters affect men and women differently. It is perhaps one of the only states that regularly conducts gender-based budgeting. And every effort from the state be they cash transfers or pensions or loans or counselling, have been to help those women who need to go out to work and run households, and those women who choose to stay at home. To protect women from domestic or gender-based violence, the government set up fast-track courts, helplines, and WhatsApp channels for women to reach out on. In its relief package, there were specific monies earmarked for Kudumbashree Self-Help Group, around 2,000 crore rupees. The state also released pensions, and this covered a large number of women, widows, and unmarried elderly women. Industries where women workers are particularly prevalent were also given funds, direct benefit transfers into their worker accounts. But challenges remain. Women often make up significant portions of the informal sector, which are rarely counted and fall at the bottom of the rung. While kudumbashree is very powerful, there has been tremendous pressure on female frontline workers to work tirelessly and often for small insufficient amounts of money the unpredictability of some frontline roles like the Asha workers we mentioned at the beginning of this episode workers.
2: nurses numbering over 8000 more than 5000 junior public health nurses
0: also mean that women get deployed to do a number of jobs outside their usual remit at times of emergency and often without much say despite having to deal with citizens who may have resisted wearing masks and were generally feeling the fatigue of the lockdown, the ASHA workers and the women on the ground persisted.
1: Perhaps they knew more than anyone else as to what the risks were. But at the same time, they also knew that if they didn't persevere, that this would get out of hand. And kudos to them and kudos also to the local governments for having been able to give them that um, safety and environment in which they could continue to work. And this was being daily reported and, and taken up.
0: We also need to see more female representation in local government. And the state is still battling a number of social ills, domestic violence, stifling patriarchy, alcoholism, and many still wait for the real emancipation of women.
2: Chief Minister, in his press conference on March 31st, that household work is not meant to be done by women alone. Men too should take it up this is the right time when families locked in to bring about a more democratic household setup this to me perhaps is the biggest challenge
1: do we see women as equal partners in development well we we've done a lot by way of setting the framework but in terms of addressing behavior and attitude i think there is still a long way to go Number one. Number two, looking at the mystery network itself specifically, of course there is cause for worry. Women have been coming out in a big way to supplement, complement and also take over family responsibilities without a commensurate shift in authority. Of course, it's, it's part of the process. I mean, it's part of breaking out. Generations of women are going through that. But that also means that at this point where we, I would say that we are still transitioning, we haven't reached better yet. It means that uh, are we paying adequate attention to our women and their contribution? I think there's more to be done.
0: We've heard this repeated from nearly every person we spoke to. Kerala's historical legacy of social development sowed the seeds for the good governance and citizen engagement that Kerala experiences today. We have to look at the state's response to COVID in this context. But the people also speak with great frank openness about what the state's shortcomings are.
1: So while you find that, yes, you are way ahead of uh, the rest of the country in the way uh, we have imagined local governance, However, there are many areas where we've stagnated, where things, the institutions have become routinized. The absence of a larger, of the larger picture has worked against the state. We've had the disaster management authority tell us that Kerala has way too many roads, for instance. And, and maybe these roads themselves have contributed to the scale of disaster. We have seen that the population and the demographics of Kerala and the need to be responsive to, lo- uh, to local interests has also meant that you have compromised the environmental concerns. And you think that these environmental concerns and the fact that you've compromised them are not going to come and hit you, and they usually don't. It's somebody else's, it's somebody further down the line who needs to bear that brunt. And these need us to look at continually restructuring ourselves. So it means that we need to work with the framework, and we need to also augment this framework to do more than it does presently. I think
2: the whole fact that this had affected people so badly, Again, your compassion probably comes into the picture, you know. It's, I felt this because I, I don't come from Kerala. When I came from the north, uh, and I I was trying to, uh, you know, mesh with the community, I found this, you know, you're you not treated very differently. I mean, whether you're a, a Hindu, whether you're a Muslim, you're a, you're a Christian, you know, there are certain things which are a very, um, uh, in the Kerala communities. it's a culture. I don't know what else to call it.
0: While we realise that none of the efforts of the state are rocket science or revolutionary, none of this happened by accident.
3: If there is something different from the rest of the country in Kerala, that is education and healthcare. These are the only two things. So as a disaster manager, if you give me a thousand crore and tell me to invest it in a sector where you could build resilience, I will invest it in free and universal education and healthcare. And that's where I will invest
0: That's Dr. Shekhar Lukos-Kuryakos again. Today, Kerala enjoys a huge advantage, a human dividend, but it also recognises that it cannot ride on its past laurels forever, because the state faces an existential threat in the form of climate change. Its location on the western coast of India, the increasing frequency of disasters, and the much higher levels of devastation it has faced because of how densely it is populated. And despite all of this, we have seen Kerala's resilience. Much of which is attributed to a culture where the state shows care for its people and the people reciprocate. The social contract is very strongly embedded here. People here say that's just how it works. And you can see it in the way the tourism industry is coming back. You can see it in the way small weaver businesses are being reimagined. And you can hear it in the way people speak. It also stems from the sum of many sustained efforts the state has put in over the decades. We began this episode by talking about Kerala's consistent intention of taking people along on its development journey. This is what the Foundation for Social Progress is made of. This is also the foundation of its resilience. There's a word being used in Kerala today to speak about resilience. Karadil. It means keeping aside something for later. It means not exhausting everything you have been given or consuming every resource. It means protecting or preserving something for later. As a state. And as a people. For future generations. If there has ever been a moment where our resilience has been tested, it is now. Even in the most progressive places where the long term has always been prioritized and Kerala is amongst them, vulnerabilities have revealed themselves. Planning, environmental protection, natural resource management, and the thinking about innovation with these in mind cannot be ignored. Accountable governments matter, and it is only through governments that speak to and engage with their citizens that we can build truly resilient cultures. How close do you feel to the decisions made on your behalf? Living in the age of the Anthropocene means that every action leaves a footprint that we will have to reckon with soon. And it is only through action and engagement that we can decide what our legacy will be and how long it will last. Thanks to the most inspiring Shailaja teacher, Sharada Murli Dharan, Mridul Ipan, Samya Kapoor, Professor Jiju Ulhanan, and Dr. Shekhar Lukos Kuryakos. I'm Radhika Vishwanathan. Kala Vasta is brought to you by the World Bank. For more information, you can go to worldbank.org forward slash Kerala podcast. And if you're interested in the broader world of international development and economics, Be sure to subscribe to the World Bank Group's The Development Podcast or the Resilient Cities Podcast, which is called There's No Place Like Home. Both are available on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud and wherever else you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. This is Vasta.